right, all right. Episode 53. Feels good to be back. Um, it's been a, a quality week in the world of tennis and in the in the Inland Empire for us. It's been a good week, <laughs> yes. man. Uh, quality time has been spent uh, with my boy Fig here. And um, we've got things to talk about, man. We've uh, we've had some personal life interactions this week, and yes. we've also been watching tennis. Yes. Um, let, let's talk about life first. Let's talk about life first, you know, because I, I enjoy that. So what's new with you, man? What's been going on? Well, uh, just started playing pickleball again. Mm. And uh, yesterday, uh, with you, I actually, I went to play uh, volleyball for the first time in, what was it, two, three years maybe? I think four years. Four years. I think it was like 2018, 2017, we yes. were playing a lot. Yes. Um, two sports that really have elements of tennis mixed into them, both of them. So I, that's why I enjoy playing both a little bit. But um, yes. neither one's quite as good as tennis, I must say. Yes. Um, but nonetheless, um, you're also coaching tennis right now, right? Correct. You run a program. Um, yes. How's that been with the the whole virus situation and like how's that affecting you? Oh man, uh, it's a lot of uh, paperwork, a lot of uh, signing people in. Mm. It's it's more tedious than ever. More time, same money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the way life goes, right? It's more time, same money. Right. It's, it's annoying. But uh, I was talking to a few people yesterday before we played volleyball. There's a coach out there. Um, we don't need to say his name or anything. But uh, I was telling him he needs to brace himself for the following year with his kids because this will be the first year since I've been alive where kids really sat on the couch for a year straight, didn't do anything physical. And now they're out here trying to play sports and hop back out there like nothing's changed. Um, how do these kids look to you right now? It's tough to expect a lot because, uh, as you just stated, um, they have been sitting for mm. a long time. Right. And it's hard to just ask them to do, hey, do this. Mm. So it's it's slow. It's a slow grind back. Right. Uh some are getting in shape faster than others yeah and uh you know yeah so not only have these kids not been in classrooms so the social aspects may be missing right um they weren't playing other sports during other seasons um they weren't playing tennis and um you know they're in the worst shape of their lives possibly Yes, most you know, likely can you know, be. So it's it's interesting because it's your job to just condition them for the season, but you have to condition them to get back to a regular life. Yes. Which, that's that's not your job. So <laughs> uh, it's kind of rough. So, yeah, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this season and maybe next season go for you and for all the other kids out there who are um, playing sports in general because – it's not even like they were being lazy. Literally, leagues outside of school were shut down. Leagues within the schools were shut down. Yes, there's nothing to do, so it'll yeah. be tricky. Yeah, it's hard. I don't. I don't mind doing the extra work. Mm-hmm. The thing is, uh, hopefully, they step it up and yeah. see uh, what I've been doing for them. Right. And as long as they can perform to an optimal level, mm. then that's all I can ask for. Right. And right. when they do, it's rewarding. Yeah, I mean, you've been coaching 
uh, I met you in, when I was starting tennis. You were already coaching tennis. Yes, I've been coaching since 2004. Right. So you've seen very high level high school programs, collegiate programs, and you also see today's programs. And there's a big gap. It's a big, big gap. And it's getting wider. Um, do you see the gap shrinking back to where it used to be? In any, what would have to happen for that? Well, uh, in the city, there's where I'm coaching. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, high schools have opened. Mm. So they've taken the talent pool. Right. So that's number one right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can talk about the whole, uh, you know, uh, kids are getting tired faster. Mm-hmm. But the number one priority for us, especially, is we don't have enough kids to play enough sports. Right. So that's tough. Mm-hmm. So getting spread thin. Right. Tis the life. Well, that's in our regular lives. What's going on in the professional world of ATP and well, WTA? Well, first off, um, uh, you did a great job with our shout out last week. Um, the kid that I shouted out, AJ, mm-hmm. he was all big. That was a great shout out. <laughs> so I, I want to give you props on the air. Hey. Uh, also, uh, if you guys have noticed, I'm giving out shout outs every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one girl, she's been playing. This is a funny story real quick. Mm-hmm. So I always tell them at the net, you need to be on your toes more than ever. Right. Because if not, you're going to get hit. Mm. She gets hit. Then all of a sudden she tells me, Fig, I needed to get hit in order to know that I need to be on my toes. Hey, that's true. And then I told her, but I told you to be on your toes a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I need to experience it for myself. Hey, there's no lesson about learning the fire's hot like getting burned. So you'll, you'll never not know about fire after you get burned once. So that's, that's good to hear that she acknowledged it. She said, hey, you warned me. But that means nothing to me until it's, <laughs> until, it, until it's been proven. So that's pretty sick. I, I'm glad that she was able to say that. That's cool. I thought that was a funny story. So yeah. Krista, that's for you. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Now going on to the professional world, <clears throat> we're going to We're going to start with Andrescu. Now, we do know that for the kajillionth time, the French Open will be postponed one week. Yeah. Now, there will be 250 events in that one week where mm-hmm. there is no fans. Yeah. So, they will be 250 events. Mm-hmm. And Andrescu has entered a 250 event in that week. Are you happy to see Andrescu back? And do you think it's wise of her to enter because she could get tired? Um, For me, Andrescu's fitness isn't the issue. Um, So what I'm happy about in hearing this is that she has the confidence in her body to do this. Um, We talk a lot about uh, the uh, the players that are made of paper. You know, the, the players that get injured every single year, they always get hurt. They probably need lighter schedules. I'm sensing that she has more confidence in her body if she's picking up a more frivolous small tournament as a tune-up going into the French. So for me, it sounds like she's feeling really good. That's what that means. Because on the flip side, we're seeing how Federer is going, eh, I'm going to take a few tournaments out again. Right. Which has me more worried that maybe he's not as healthy as we'd like. So this is a good sign for her. Uh, she's probably not even going to try to go deep in this tournament. Maybe she just wants to get a few more match play serious tennis matches under her belt. 
That way she can go into the French and really feel confident in her mentality on the court. So I like it. If if she if that is her plan, mm. it's a good plan. Mm. <clears throat> you don't want to waste yourself and be in a tournament where it's not much and then you only have two days of rest. Mm. So if that's her plan, that's a good plan. Moving on, Pear wins his second match of the year. Woo woo! Where's my soundboard? Now, for somebody that doesn't really care about winning, he cared about winning. He <laughs> he heard the podcast. There you go. He went around <laughs> the stadium, had a phone, and was taking pictures of him and the crowd, basically. Oh, my gosh. Now, I thought that he was, I don't care. What are your reactions on Benoit Pair? Um, Let me say this. Benoit Pair is a professional tennis player on the tour, which means at some point in his life, he cared about his game, his fitness, and the sport. I think that subconsciously that will always be there, and maybe he's going through things as a man today that are kind of in the way of him really being where he needs to be at peace mentally. But ultimately, right now, he does subconsciously, he'll always care a little bit and deep down, we all would like to win. You know, if someone right. walked up to you and said, there's a match today. Do you want to win or do you want to lose? Pick one or the other. He's going to pick to win, you know. Um, I think he's uh, he's got a lot of frustrations that are probably separate from tennis that are kind of leaking into tennis as well. And um, it's good to hear that he got a win, even though I don't I don't really enjoy Benoit Pair at all. But I don't wish losses on anyone. So good for him. Um, I do know he played today. Right. Um, and he played a player who's probably one of the hottest players on the tour today. I think he's now the hottest player on the tour today. Uh, his reward <laughs> for winning was playing the hottest player on the tour, which is <laughs> Stefano Sissipas. Right. Now he got blown away. One As he in, should. As one he and should. two. Yeah. Um, he has a pretty low first serve percentage mm -hmm. that's not gonna cut it oh no against a player such as sissy pass mm -hmm. uh did you see the match at all i didn't even watch it because i knew what was gonna happen i had assumptions on how that match would go and what it would look like and it looked exactly like that so um for those of you who don't know pair played cc pot today uh the score was six one six two correct we call six ones breadsticks around here right um, someone had a lot of carbs for lunch. So today uh, today was a rough day for Benoit Pair on the tour. But I, that's a match he's supposed to lose as right. of today. So he can go home feeling pretty good about himself that he, uh, he beat the guy that we think he could beat. And he lost to the guy he was supposed to lose to. So not a big deal for him. Stefano says he passed, has up this game. He is now, even the announcers, by mm -hmm. the way, said that he is one of the top um, <clears throat> contenders for the French Open above Djokovic, by mm -hmm. the way. And his game has improved. He's mm. improved his toss. His toss used to be erratic. He used to always fall to the left. Mm. His forehand, he is able to go around his backhand to hit a forehand without a lot of excess energy. Mm. So if you're hitting a floater trying to hit his backhand, He's finding a way to go around it. Mm. You have to hit a sharp angle to find his backhand. Right. And, you know, uh, he's really improved his game a lot. 
Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why he's at the top of the game right now. For him to be this prominent on clay speaks volumes to a guy who debuted as an incredible hardcore player. Right. That's really impressive. That's rare. That's yes. extremely rare to see. Seeing clay court players become successful on hard courts is not far-fetched. Right. The other way around is extremely rare. Right. I respect that a lot. I think that that shows he has a lot of longevity left in his career. Right. Um, what else have you noticed in the Madrid Open? Anything in particular? Well, this is a funny story. Mm. Diego Schwartzman, mm-hmm. he's in the top 10. He called out Karetsev because he said <laughs> that he wanted some of Karetsev after Karetsev beat him pretty badly in Australia. <laughs> Schwartzman said, this is more my um, surface. Right. And now we're going to speak. Karetsev beat him, I believe, in straight sets. Uh, <laughs> if you want to correct me, uh, I believe it was in straight sets. Uh, I believe it was. Yes. I, I'll, I can double check that for you, but I believe you're right. What are your thoughts on Diego Schwartzman coming a little bit short versus Aslan Karetsev? Um, I think that Schwartzman is no less of a player for losing to... Karetsev is a top four hottest players on the tour player. There's no shame in that loss. Um, and I love that he challenged him and talked a little trash. Schwartzman's a hard worker. He's a grinder. He's a fighter. Um, and I'm glad he went onto that court with the expectation he might win. But I love to see a hot player staying hot. So, yes. Karetsev, I love that you rose to the occasion and took out Schwartzman. And Schwartzman, don't feel bad. You know, don't take it to heart. You got beat by like a break each set, I think. It wasn't a crazy loss. No, or it wasn't super bad. Yeah, it was a respectable match. You just didn't win it. Um, that's awesome. You know, I'm I'm pretty happy with the the way Schwartzman's been playing. Schwartzman to me, he's got a very small frame. He doesn't hit super big. He hits big for his size. Right. Um, so I don't expect him to ever dominate a whole tour, season, surface, any of those things. I expect him to have hot tournaments. Um, and I think he's still good for that. So this just wasn't one of those. There's yes. no big deal in that. No, I agree. Um, just next time you talk a little bit of trash, be able to back it up. Oh, they split sets, by the way. Okay. They split sets. Okay. Uh, so Schwartzman, I think he beat him pretty badly in the first, correct? Yeah, 6-2 in the first set. Right. And then it proceeded to be 6-4 and then 6-1. He put right. him away. So. Right. Karetsev once again proving that he's ready to go the extra distance at the French. Right. Mm-hmm. And thanks for that correction. Yeah. Now, Alcaraz, uh, who's basically the Spanish are hoping he is the next Rafael Nadal, uh-huh. played N- Nadal today. Mm-hmm. Now, that was an interesting match because, as I just stated, they're hoping that he's the next Nadal. He is coached by Juan Carlos Ferrero. That's an awesome coach. And, in theory. In right. theory. And Nadal is coached by Carlos Moya. Right. Moya and Ferrero had wars. Yeah. So those that's the little Spanish armada going on. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about who is Alcaraz because we've never really discussed him on this podcast. Right. Alcaraz is a Spanish player. Correct. And I want to say he's 18 years he old. He just turned. He turned 18 today. He so played on his birthday. He played Nadal. He's extremely young. Yes. So uh, what can you tell us about his game? He He's played uh, a lot, a little bit of clay court events in uh, Buenos Aires and uh, Chile. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he's he's a pretty much a clay court player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a full game for the most part, but today he just ran into Nadal. Yeah. So, <clears throat> going uh, telling you a little bit of a story. Mm. Um, Roddick and Pete Sampras had sort of the same thing going on. Mm. Uh, Pete, uh, Andy Roddick beat Sampras in Miami, mm-hmm. beat him on a clay court event. And then in 2002, everybody thought that Roddick was going to be the bearer of U.S. tennis. Mm-hmm. Pete did not give that match up and beat him in the 2002 U.S. Open. <laughs> now, it's sort of a comparison because they're trying to say that Alcaraz is the next Spanish player. Right. And they're hoping that he's the next Nadal. Mm-hmm. But... He has a long way to go, but he is 18 years old mm. and he has a bright future. And yeah. I believe that if he keeps working hard, he will be a good Spanish player. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll have to put the magnifying glass on him and take a closer look when I can. Um, yeah, Andy Roddick, uh, that poor guy, he really was. He, he took the torch and ran with it. He really did. Yes. He just took it and ran into the toughest era in possible tennis history. In the top five players in history, his era had three of them. Yes. You know, it is what it is, Roddick. You were you still squeezed a Grand Slam. You missed out on maybe two other ones that could have been yours. They were just in arm's reach. Uh, yeah, so Andy Roddick, I'm not mad if someone says he was supposed to be the next quote-unquote Pete Sampras. Right. Obviously, his game didn't make it to that level, but he was an incredible Hall of Fame quality slam winner. So Correct. Yeah, hopefully Alcaraz, it seems like he has a lot better timing as far as the era he's walking into. I would say so. You know, he's on the tail end of the golden era of tennis that we're in right now. Um, we're seeing the the taper off of the legends. And, you know, he'll spend a good 15 years possibly playing tennis without those guys in his way. So he has the opportunity to really compete. Yes, I agree with you 100%. Well put, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on to the women, Ash Barty played Iga Sviacek. Those are the two current French Open hey, champions. It's your fault. I believe in Iga so much. <laughs> you know, I uh, I have almost blind faith in Iga to have a great career because of you. So I was highly anticipating this match. Uh, Iga versus Barty. I right. love Barty. We both love Barty. Yes. We respect Barty. Yes. Barty is hot right now. She's really hot. We know that Iga, if if there was a dark horse in this draw to sneak in and take out Barty, it was Iga, right? Yes. Uh, did you watch the match? I did. How did it look? Barty just uh, overwhelmed Sviacek. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the beginning, Sviacek brought it. But mm-hmm. at, the, at the tail end, Barty made some adjustments, mm-hmm. didn't give her as much pace, mm-hmm. was doing the one-two punch, serve forehand. Mm-hmm. And Viacek just looked uh, overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But again, we can go back to the rankings. Mm-hmm. She's 13, 14 in the world. Right. If the rankings were correct, she wouldn't face a Barty until a quarters or semis. Mm-hmm. This was a third round match. Right. So, you know, it is what it is. But Igas Viacek is just a teenager as well. She just won a Grand Slam. Mm-hmm. I believe she's going to be very good in the future as you should as you should and she has sort of a nadal nadal won a title as a teenager 
and then ran with it. Mm-hmm. So I believe Spiatic could do the same thing. Okay. Okay. Um, just to follow up on Madrid a bit, uh, today was an interesting day in Madrid. I just want to, there's a few different names I wanted to bring up. Uh, we did see Sinner lose today. Sinner lost a tight first set and then lost the second set on clay in the round of 32. So, um, probably good for Sinner, who's had a pretty hot run to get an early exit at this tournament. And, uh, hopefully we see him into the French feeling, uh, really fresh. And then... John Isner played a great clay court player today. He went against Batista Agut, who is a phenomenal clay court player, in my opinion. He's just solid all around. Yeah, he's just a solid player, always going to bring it to whoever else is on the court. John Isner beat him on clay. Um, so that was good to see. And in John Isner fashion, there was two tiebreakers out of the three sets. Of course. So uh, expect John Isner to be extremely tired next match. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up because we haven't really heard much from John Isner, but that's a big win for him on clay. Um, so we'll see how well he does the rest of the tournament. And uh, Casper Rudd. Yes, your boy. The, the guy whoa, that you whoa. hate the I most. The guy say, that you hate the most. Okay, I was going to say, don't yes. say my boy just casually like that. Because <laughs> uh, Casper Rudd did beat my actual boy, Felix. Yes. Uh, which saddens me and both go to the nadal academy yeah uh so yeah he beat felix and um and he backed it up today he backed it up today against what i would consider yeah nishioka a reasonable player yes um casper rudd also had a recent successful uh match against uh who did he just play um he just beat uh he beat fognini and he beat schwartzman and he beat carino busta He's on a run. Yes. He, he beat all of them at the Monte Carlo tournament. He's a clay court player, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Casper Rudd is solid on clay. Okay. So Casper Rudd has had a very quality run on clay. Uh, he's beaten, I want to say in his last seven matches, five of them were high quality opponents that he beat. Um, a lot of them in straight sets. His next match is against none other than Sisipa. Right. So... Uh, what does this mean for you? If Rudd wins this match for Pa, how do you feel? What does that mean? If Rudd wins this match, he is putting everything together. Mm-hmm. And finally, all that trash that was between Kyrgios and Rudd, mm-hmm. Rudd backed it up. Finally. Yes. Two years later. <laughs> hey, better late than never, though. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to... Seeing a hot Casper Rudd, who's on a big run, go against the hottest player on the tour uh, on clay. So I'm looking forward to that match. It looks like they play tomorrow morning. So for a lot of you listening to this podcast, that match will have already transpired. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. And I wish that we could discuss it and repost that yes. this episode. But that's okay. It's the way the, the podcast game goes. So yeah, uh, a lot of excitement on the clay right now. I'm really into the draws and the matches on the men's side. Um, anything else on the women's side you wanted to talk about? Uh, I'm going to go back to a couple of uh, Barty stats. Barty is 10-0 and 0 against the top 20 this year. Wow. She is, to me, the heavy favorite to win the French Open. For sure. Uh, mm. You could probably put Sviacek underneath. And then after that, it's sort of hard to put anybody there. Unless you put somebody that you've never heard before that comes up. 
mm. similar to Igish Viacek. What are your thoughts? Where do you rank Serena Williams in the French Open uh, favoritism? You can't counter out. Uh, her serve is massive. She still penetrates with her power, unlike Osaka. Right. So you you can't counter out as long as she's there and she doesn't get injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, the past couple of years, she's pulled out with injuries. Mm-hmm. So as long as that doesn't happen, I can see her going to a fourth quarter, even semifinal run. Mm-hmm. Um, she's seated high enough now. Yeah, she is seated decently now. Yeah, um, outside of Serena, Iga, Barty. I don't see any. Yeah, no one who... I, and that's that's a good and bad thing going into a tournament. No tournament should have so few prominent candidates and players. So I'm uh, I'm interested to see how this all uh, transpires. And I would like to see more consistent victors and bigger runs from players. I love that on uh, on the guy side, we do have the Pa, the Rublev, the Nadal, the Dark Horse Dominic team. Right. The the complete random uh, Roger Federer. Yes. I want to see more than just Serena, Iga, and Barty on the women's side. So I'm looking forward to this uh, tournament for the women at the French. But I want to see maybe two more people who are just really making runs. You, know? you could then, if you want to see... You can't count out Halep, who's a decent clay quarter as well. Always, always. And then Sabalenka. She's mm. she's having she's having a run. Okay. So those would be the other two. Mm. Now moving on. This this is gonna make you laugh. Mm. Kyrios not happy with comparison. <laughs> An Australian media personnel compared get ready. Kyrios to Bernard Tomic. Oh no! As bad boy. <laughs> hey, for the record, no one, and I mean no one, should want their name next to Bernard Tomic. <laughs> Nobody on the tour should want that comparison. Tomic has fallen to 207 in the world. As he should. And he's being compared to Nick Kyrgios. Oh man, that's nasty. Now, Nick Kyrgios did not appreciate the comparison he shouldn't and i'm going to read what he wrote because I'm, i don't want to take the justice from what he wrote <laughs> he basically said does he have the foundation does he have the accomplishments did he raise money for the brush fire do your research also <clears throat> if you're known for dating somebody from australia it's a show mm-hmm. it's called australia island something i'll look it up then you're not worth anything right i've beaten the top four what have you done close quote what are your thoughts on nick kyrgios being compared to bernard tomic look if he's not already mad he's not mad enough um nick kyrgios i don't care if it was nick kyrgios or if it was dave Chappelle. don't compare my tennis game to bernard tomic like i don't care who it was um yeah bernard tomic is really just bottom tier to me when it comes to great names on the tennis tour and potential and ambition and hard work he's just at the bottom um curios who is rebellious has mental breakdowns or whatever you want to call it sure he's all those things but as he said 
he is a raw talent, high potential threat at all times if he's not on a clay court. Where is Bernard Tomic ever a real threat? No. Never. Absolutely not. Benoit... Benoit Pierre is more of a... Benoit uh, Pierre should be insulted if he's called Bernard Tomic. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Kyrgios, I'm right there with you. I get it. Um, You do have literal matches of the year in multiple years. Recent big tournament wins. Um, Yeah, you should feel insulted by this. So, clearly they didn't do their research on anything. Right. At all. Except for that you're both from Australia. Um, so that's hilarious. I'm glad he was mad. So he was basically, Nick Curiel said, it's the Love Island Australia contestant, Vanessa Sierra. Mm. So he went to say, so if that's his biggest accomplishment, how is he being compared to me? Right. Now, weren't you under the assumption that Kyrgios and Tomic were ever friends? Do you think they were friendly? I would assume that in the earlier stages of the Kyrgios career, they had a good relationship. I'm sure at some point that relationship probably met its end. I know that there was a struggle between Kyrgios and a lot of the other Australian uh, big names like uh, the Hewitts, maybe Atomic, you know, a few others. I think he mended the majority of those relationships. I haven't heard anything positive in regards to him and Tomic since back then. Right. So I would assume that maybe they're not enemies, but they're not friends. That'd be my guess. Um, I know that he ended up playing for Hewitt. Uh, for, yes. I want to say it was Laver Cup or uh, ATP uh, Davis Cup. Cup. Davis Cup. Yes. yes. I know he ended up playing for him at some point, and we've seen them train together at uh, Indian Wells a few times. So You brought up a good point. Curios uh, mm. uh, had big problems with uh, um, Bernard Tomic calling out Hewitt. Right. I believe that Tomic and Hewitt were actually going at it on mm. each other and Tomic was calling out his family, Hewitt's family, right. if I recall correctly. Mm. So you, you brought up the point. I think yeah. that was the beef that was uh, there. Mm. Moving on, Osaka loses in the second round. Now she lost to Makova. Mm. Makova beat Barty in Australia. Mm. She backed up the Osaka victory with a win over Sakari. That's a nice win. So my question to you is, if you're Osaka, are you okay with losing to Makova in the second round? Um, if I'm Osaka, I'm okay with losing to anyone slightly respectable off of a hard court for now. Um, Osaka, in my opinion, still has a lot to prove on any tennis court that isn't a hard court surface. So this is what I expect of her. In all, in all actuality, especially to a player who was able to be Sakari, who I expect to do a little better on clay courts than uh, Osaka does. So, yeah, you know, this is not, I don't think anything more or less of Osaka. This is what I expect of her. Um, this is a major salute to Muchova. I don't really pay much attention to her. So this is putting her on my radar now. Yes. You know, beating Sakari and Osaka. Right. <clears throat> and then Australia beating Barty. Right. Those are those are all very good wins, all of them, you know. So, yeah, uh Osaka, I don't expect to hear anything from you except maybe a crazy run at Wimbledon if we all get lucky as fans. Maybe. But yeah, honestly even then, if you don't make a run at Wimbledon, that's fine. Now, don't cry for her. She's going to be extremely busy. She just released a skincare product mm. that's supposedly for dark 
for dark people to protect from melanoma in the sun. Mm-hmm. She just released a bikini line. Mm-hmm. Uh, she took pictures of it on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And she is going to be a host at the... Uh, not Met Life. Um, what is it called? Met Gala or something? Met Gala, thank yeah. you. Met Gala. Uh, Billie Eilish is going to be a host as well. Pop star? Okay. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of Gen Z people that are going to host it. And right. Osaka is one of them. So don't feel bad for her. I never do. Um, and kind of jumping on that train of topic you had there. Um we're noticing Osaka does train, of course. Yes. But those those extra hours that it takes to really transcend just being a hardcore player or just being a clay court player, it seems like she's putting that time into being a mogul. Yes. More than being a, a Hall of Fame historical tennis athlete. Right. Um, I don't expect to see her really dominate on grass or clay until we see her become a bit more of a purebred tennis athlete. In regards to being excellent on all surfaces, all courts, all settings. Um, You know, we know that she's a master of all fast courts. Right. Um, She is... This has been my issue and my beef with Osaka from day one. A lot of her decisions and her perception and her image on and off the court seem to be marketed. Um, They're part of the machine that is Osaka as a tennis icon. More yes. than her actual game. Correct. And as much as I do love her hardcore game, I assume the worst in regards to her growth as a player until I see her step away from the, I'm from Japan because they lack a great female player. I am focused on my skincare and photo shoots when I'm still losing in second rounds at everything but a hardcore tournament. Right. You know, these are the things that I really need her to focus on right now. You have the rest of your life to make millions of dollars with skincare products and bikini lines, all that crap. You know, that's not going anywhere. There will always be ad campaigns, corporate businesses that want to give you contracts and all that. But Serena was good on the other surfaces early. Right. I need you to do the same thing. I agree. Um, so that's my issue with her right now. And I just had to get that off my chest because... <laughs> Well, she's slowly becoming uh, uh, Sharapova. Yeah, she really is. Slowly, slowly. I don't like Sharapova. Right. I'm still neutral with Osaka because I do love her strokes. Yes. I like her strokes more than uh, Sharapova's. I've ever liked Sharapova's. Um, And I do think that Osaka has the potential to be a 20 slam athlete. But it requires a lot of groundwork. It's with the mental, though. Yeah, it's a lot of groundwork that I don't see her even attempting to step in the realm of. She's going to be probably the richest female athlete, but not the greatest. Yeah. You know, that's the issue. Now the kids ask me all the time who listen. They're all fake. I'm confused. Do you like Osaka or don't you like Osaka? Mm. And it's exactly what you just said. Yeah. She's a good tennis player. Yeah. But if her head was screwed on a little bit differently and showed the fact that she's more into tennis, Mm. I can respect her. Yeah. So that's my problem with Osaka. Right. Moving on. I thought this would be a perfect transition. Dominic Team is back. Now, I appreciate what he said as a player, as a man. Mm. He said, I stepped away from the game. I trained my body for 15 years. Mm. And once I got to the top of the game, won a Grand Slam, I felt empty. Mm. And I had nothing else to accomplish. Right. 
what are your thoughts on what Dominic team admitted? Um, I admire it. Um, not what he said, but the fact he said it. Um, I mean, me and you could never judge a man who did something that we haven't done. Right. So we can't say like, what do you mean? Work harder. You know, we, we didn't win a grand slam. You know, we didn't dedicate 15 years to being a pro player. Uh, all we can do as spectators is acknowledge his transparency and uh, understand that if your life's pursuit was a Grand Slam title and you accomplish it, maybe it would require a vacation. You've taken vacations from things you're burnt out on. And Correct. you know that when you came back, you're like, oh, wow, I did need that. I didn't even realize I needed that. Um, all I can do is attribute that feeling that I have had, which anyone listening to this podcast who plays tennis knows sometimes you take a break from tennis and you come back better um it's weird you know because the bad habits are gone the fresh mind maybe you were watching tennis they come with you when you come back and you play better than you did before i think that dominic team was wise because i don't know if you remember but he had maybe two straight years where he was playing like 25 26 tournaments a year yes trying to get his ranking up by just scrambling the 250s and 500s, just trying to get his ranking so that he could compete in the slam. And um, now he's finally in a position where he can slow his schedule down and his ranking won't drop much and focus on the tournaments that matter. And really, like we said earlier, this is a guy who really was a purebred clay court player. Right. And his first slam was the U.S. Open. Right. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. You know, so I have a lot of respect for him. Unlike Osaka, I do think that he is tennis first, everything right. else second. And so I have a lot of respect for him. Um, right. I think everything he said is fair, and I look forward to the rest of his career. Right. That's why I made that transition. Right. Now, <clears throat> Osaka, do you believe that Osaka does all the other things to keep fresh from tennis? So my question is, she does the Met Gala. She does all that stuff. So basically, she does that to entertain herself. So when she comes back to tennis, maybe she's a different player. Do you agree that would be correct? Uh, yes and no. I don't think that she's doing those other things to keep her in love with tennis. I think that she's just a bit more of a human being. And there's nothing wrong with that. Cause that sounds crazy to say. But um, I think that what Dominic Team did requires a bit of a little craziness in your head to be that obsessive with something, to go as hard as he did for tennis. I think that that little nutty screw missing in Dominic team is what makes the the true Hall of Fame, big three-esque type of players, the Serenas, the Djokovic's, the Federer's. These are people who really, they sleep tennis. They eat tennis. They breathe tennis. Osaka is not that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is she does have the potential to be as great as those players if right. she's willing to have the obsessiveness they have. Um, do you think that if he were to do extra things on the side, a- as even Serena Williams, Federer, mm-hmm. you know, would that ease his mind and make him feel better inside and say, all right, let me go compete 100%? No. Uh, I think that if Dominic Team is less obsessive with tennis, he doesn't have a U.S. Open right now. Okay. <clears throat> Fair enough. Uh, Pete Sampras was that way. Right. He, he was straight tennis right 100 percent. now he didn't burn out until his 12th slam right that's when he burned out hey that's perfectly okay right 
12 slams, especially, you know, 12 slams doesn't sound so crazy today. Right. 12 slams when he had 12 slams is outrageous. Yes. That's an outrageous number back then. So, you know, I really think that Sampras kind of was a... Sampras really created a path for the Serena Williams we have today as far as uh, what he did with his run and his professional career and his retirement. So I don't think it's a, I don't think you can say, well, how can team burn out after one slam mm -hmm. when you dedicate your life and you right. do only that, it's not a big deal. Right now. I just hope that he finds his mentality to where he can go back and be the Dominic team. We know he will. He will. I'm confident he will. Now, last topic, uh, Delgopolov retires. Mm -hmm. If you don't know who he is, he was an entertaining player. Very entertaining in my eyes. Relatively speaking. Yes. <laughs> if you're not a true tennis fan, you're not going to know who he is. Yeah. But if you're a tennis fan, he was, he, he even admitted, I'm not a good tennis player, so I'm going to try to put on a show for the fans. <laughs> now, he achieved the ranking of number 13. Uh -huh. He made it to the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. Right. In that run, he beat Sanga Soderling. Soderling beat Nadal at the French Open, by the way. Which is one of the... They say that that's the hardest thing to do in tennis history. Right. Or no, in sports. Right, in sports. They Forget say, tennis history. They say in all sports, beating Nadal at the French Open is the hardest thing you can do. And Soderling did it. Right. Right. Delgapalov beat Soderling in Australia before going down to Murray. Mm -hmm. He has three titles. His biggest title if this is the City Open, which is in Washington. Kyrgios won that. Mm -hmm. He beat our boy Tommy Haas. I love Tommy Haas. Yes. He also has a doubles title. Mm -hmm. And my, my biggest accomplishment for him would be beating Nadal at Indian, Indian Wells. Wells. That's a big win. I remember that. Right. I was there when it happened. Right. To me, that's bigger than all of the accomplishments just listed. Yeah. But do you believe that Dolgopolov was a decent player? I believe he's the definition of a hardworking professional athlete. That's what I could say. Um, is he someone who will be remembered in five years? No. Um, tennis fanatics like ourselves, we will always remember Dolgopolov for his disgusting game because right. his strokes were ugly as hell to me. But I know I would never beat him in the rest of my life <laughs> because he was a true athlete. Right. I do respect him as an athlete. I respect him as a tennis player. And I really do congratulate him on his retirement and his career because right. he had a great career. He did. Um, but... Just the thought of him is hilarious to me, you know, like I remember watching his training sessions and just going, man, this guy trains so damn hard. Exactly. He's a hard worker. Um, I respect him a lot. And I just remember always seeing his name everywhere. He was in every tournament, playing every player. You know, he was just a great guy. I think he was like six foot five eleven. Yes. Just had a, a, exactly. A Not real, super tall. Just a real springy game, real athletic, real explosive. But he had a pretty big surfer that height. And it was a weird-ass surf. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a little quirky. Yeah, so, you know, I, I want to congratulate him. I'm glad he was a part of my memories of tennis. Yes. 
And um, yeah, salute to him. I think that he did exactly what he was meant to do. Right. You know, he had a great career. So good for him. I'm glad he maximized his potential and did what he did. Now, unfortunately, he did have a freak accident. He was returning a serve mm-hmm. and he mishit it. He had a little wrist pain. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, he thought it was no big deal. Mm-hmm. He ended up having two surgeries on his wrist for that miss hit. And he just couldn't come back. So the That's last time he played was uh, 2018. He tried coming back in 19 and just couldn't. And he just called it a career. Mm. So that is our podcast for this week. I hope you guys were entertained. ATP podcast. Thank you, guys. This is a long episode, by the way. Oh, Adios. Oh, oh, Cinco de Mayo. Adios. Adios. Arriba. Mm. <laughs>